If you have ever had a chance to walk in a forest when the autumn colors are at their peak and the gentle rain makes them even brighter, then maybe you have been in awe. Or you stood at the precipice of the Grand Canyon and looked down the 4,000 feet to the Colorado River below. Then maybe you have been in awe. So good afternoon and welcome to In Awe by Bruce, and thank you for joining us today. Today we have Dr. Rosario Picardo on the line. He is Dean of the Chapel and Director of the Paul A. Center for Supervision and Leadership Formation at United Theological Seminary. He's also co-pastor of Mosaic Church, which is a multicultural church in Dayton, Ohio. He's written a number of books, but the most recent is coming out in just a few weeks. It's called Don't Look Down answering Jesus's call to walk on the water. Rosario also does coaching and consulting for church planning, and he speaks at many places around the country on a multitude of subjects. So we're very happy to have Roz here today with us. Roz, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Glad you're uh, here. And, you know, uh, maybe we could start off with the fact that you just got back from your first trip to the Holy Land. So what, what did you experience there? Well, it was a, a, a powerful time, and I um, got to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and his disciples, and the cool parts, you know, just some of the highlights were going to the Mount of Olives, and mm. even this past week as I preached uh, a classic Palm Sunday text, I got the chance to record the text while I was on the Mount of Olives and record that scripture reading, and use that in my sermon this past weekend, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and got to just take in, go to Bethlehem and the Dead Sea and take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, go to the Garden of Gethsemane, some of those other places that are just significant in scriptures and really just bring the scriptures to life. Um, the Weeping Wall, too, where the temple mm. once stood. I mean, just powerful experience. And we did a great devotional times and times of worship. So about 50 of us went, and we're probably going to go back next year and open that up even more to, to folks who want to take that pilgrimage. Wow, that's fabulous. I know I know. for me when I, I went, being on top of the Mount of Olives and, and having somebody go through Jesus' discourse really from up there and looking down on the city just was— Yeah, yeah, how he wept over it, and mm. that's the image that I got um, as I was overlooking it. Wow. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to pick like one or two things that, that, you know, really lifted up your view of God the most, and or Jesus and and what He was doing and what had happened and what it meant to you, what, is there anything that jumps out? Um, yeah, we went to the shepherd's field, and I think that was really meaningful, where the shepherds received their message uh, from the angel about going uh, to visit this child. And so I had that image of David, you know, working with the, the sheep as a shepherd and protecting the sheep and how the sheep really don't stray and how they don't go up to strangers at all, but they stay with a person that feeds them, that supplies them, that gives them life. And just started thinking about the good shepherd who Jesus, one of the images that he paints for us. And as we stood on that field, I just imagine Jesus, you know, sharing that news with that parable with uh, 
his disciples and followers, like in John 10, mm-hmm. and given that illustration. So you could picture it and see it. Uh, another place was the Sea of Galilee, where Peter mm-hmm. and Jesus both walked on water. And of course, we know the narrative that Peter starts to sink. And so I got to do some devotional teaching on my new book while we were out on the boat of the Sea of Galilee. So <laughs> that was really powerful. I know. I, I remember when we were out of the Sea of Galilee, you know, it, it was a beautiful day and we, we pushed out and we're, we're going along. We got about 15 minutes out there. And just like in the in the stories of the Bible, all of a sudden the winds came up and yeah, the waves started going and it just went crazy. And it was like, yeah. uh, it's just all of a sudden. Yeah. And it was easy to envision, you know. Right, right. <sighs> I, I would have brought a videographer with me. I mean, I had my iPhone, but I think next time I'd mm. like to have, you know, just someone accompany me and doing some recordings and teachings really to bring that to life for the people back home too. And when I get an opportunity to speak to our congregations and whatnot. You know, as we talk about being out on the water, that it's hard not to slide over into your, your new book that's coming out. Yeah. Don't look down answering Jesus's call to walk on the water. And as I told you earlier, the picture on the book is just beautiful. You're looking up at these feet as they're walking on the water. Yeah. So maybe, tell us more about that. Yeah, um, really, this image that God gave me, I started to think about how many Christians don't take risk in their lives Mm. because they're afraid to take the step. And to me, it really starts by pushing away from the shore. We have to be willing to do that. So it's we even have to get into the boat and dare to get on the water. And how when we do that at times, we're going to get spooked and afraid, just like the disciples thought it was a ghost. And and for us, um, you know, many times our boat can be our greatest fears or insecurities. Maybe it's lack of education or financial resources or just a whole host of things like that. So it's important for us to identify the boat that we need to step out of and mm. taking those calculated faith risks because not all risks should be taken. Mm-hmm. Not all good ideas are God ideas. And so for us to identify the boat that keeps us captive um, is important because we need to take a step, but we need to figure out what's holding us back. Hmm. And it's asking for God's call ultimately because Peter walking on the water, he was, you know, essentially asking Jesus, can I come? And of course, Jesus says yes. And, And Peter hears it and he starts to step out on the water. We often associate Peter with someone that's spunky and wild and charismatic. Um, and we see that kind of come to life as he starts to sink and ultimately he's rescued um, by Jesus. And so it's keeping our eyes and our focus on Christ, even in the midst of tragedy, controversy, uncertainty, uh, we can have the reassurance that Christ is there and Christ will rescue us when we feel like we're sinking. Some of the greatest deaths mean the greatest resurrections as well. So I want to encourage people with my book to live a walk on water kind of life. Mm. It's just a mundane, ordinary Christian experience. Yes. And realize that the power is ultimately from God. So we can't do anything good apart from ourselves. Um, it's it's only by the strength that Christ gives us. Mm-hmm. So true. And so I I use a lot of different examples in the book. I share some people's stories, stepping out of the boat um, in different ways. 
So some quit their jobs to start businesses. Others entered ministry after long after they've been retired and be missionaries in China. One couple that was in their uh, late 60s. Um, so I look at all these different things. Another guy who had experienced a few heart attacks had uh, become medically retired because of his health condition. And then he started a transportation ministry where he's helping people um, in my area here in Dayton, Ohio, get rides to work and all that. He calls it the rides to work program. And so he's given over 10,000 rides in like one year and wow. he's able to share his faith. And many of them are now becoming Christians and he's even baptizing some of them. So I look at some of those stories as well. Again, this is kind of why with the podcast, I, I think this this isn't the whole thing, but I think a lot has to do with when we're in awe of God, we can do those things. Absolutely. Uh, Peter, obviously, was just like, you know, in awe of Jesus walking on the water and wanted to join him. And it's yep. when he took his eyes off that it became right. trouble. And we have to believe that miracles can happen today. Mm-hmm. Miracles can happen in our churches, happen in our world. It's not just for times and days of the first century or Old Testament, but they can happen now today. And we have that power if we keep our eyes on Christ. So, Roz, that's that, that's a really good point. And so I, I'd like to explore that a little more because I th- think we have a tendency to look and go, okay, yeah, miracles happened you know, way back or they happen in other places, but they're not going to happen around here. I don't see them. Now, I have experienced some things and seen some things, mm-hmm. but give me more about what you're seeing and and what would be helpful to somebody who's going, ah, yeah, you've probably seen that someplace else, or there's maybe something special about you, or or whatever the the response might be. Yeah, well, in every church that I've been in, one of the first things that we've started, whether it's a, a new church or if we're revitalizing a congregation, is we've started a prayer team, mm-hmm. prayer movement. And I think it starts with that. And it's those that are willing and those that are able because, you know, not everybody can sing. Not everybody can dance. <laughs> not everybody can preach or teach. But anybody and everybody can pray. And allowing people to really operate in that is huge. And so um, we would pray before Sunday mornings, during the week, immerse ourselves in prayer, the congregation in prayer, to really cultivate a, a spirit and a setting where people can experience the miraculous. And so as we've done prayer walks and different things in the various places I've been, that's really set the groundwork for answered prayers, people losing jobs and and then finding jobs, uh, people being healed physically, relationally, uh, people who have been praying for loved ones to come to Christ, seeing that. And then people experiencing freedom from addictions. Um, That's what we've seen as well. Um, We see that in our church right now. Uh, Last Easter, I got to baptize a guy who had really been in trouble his whole life, started drugs at an early age, and uh, no other recovery program would take him except the one that Mosaic Church is affiliated with, and that's Joshua Recovery Ministry. Mm -hmm. So he entered the program, and God has set him free, and he's been clean for 18 months. We baptized him. And this is a guy who has over 
80 misdemeanors, 20 felonies. And he's working his first legit job and he's so sharp and he's excelling and keeps getting promoted and has his own place now and is doing really well. But that's just some of the miraculous that we're seeing in our midst. And now he's discipling guys and he's mentoring guys that are coming out of addiction. That's great. Yeah. We have another guy who he started a homeless ministry. He didn't even mean to. He was just going out to homeless camps and talking to people that were drug addicted. And before you know it, those guys were getting into treatment. And some of those guys were coming to church from a one-time visit. Now he goes out there almost weekly, if not more than that, Mm -hmm. to minister to them. But it's because he's been set free now for two years. All that has been really a byproduct of what we've done in our prayer ministry. And so um, we share with our folks, hey, you know, we'll we'll pray with you on the spot. We want to do that. Some of you don't feel comfortable with that. Submit your prayer request to us. Mm -hmm. We're going to be praying for you seven days this week. Mm -hmm. And so people have been taking us up on that. And then we said, hey, a lot of you are submitting your requests, but we're not hearing the praises. So keep us in the loop how Mm -hmm. it's working on those things. And once we've said that, we're seeing more and more outpouring of prayers being answered in tremendous ways. Good to hear. And and really what one message I'm hearing you say is that there's a variety of different ways that God works and uses our gifts. And mm-hmm. and so you're not limited. Right. Not at all. Not at all. And so anybody can pray and that's an easy way to engage folks who don't think they have a talent or a gift or an ability. Mm-hmm. People are probably finding out as they pray that there may be something that God taps them for. That's right. That's right. And so we're seeing that more and more and people getting engaged in the work of ministry and it not being done just by the religious pay professionals. That the churches were turning to the laity because laity have more opportunities to, to share and spread the gospel in ways that pastors can't. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as we put the pastor label on People quit acting normal around us. They quit swimming around us. They don't want to associate with us. And so lay people have the advantage of impacting others in their places of work, business, school, you name it, Hmm. in their social networks. Yes. Well, I wanted to take a step back, though, and and go back to something from your book. Mm -hmm. And really, it's more about you. Yeah. To write a book like that, usually somebody's experienced that same kind of thing in their life so they can relate to it and they can they can bring it home because they've either seen it plenty of times or they've experienced it themselves. Uh, just curious, was there something that you saw in yourself that was keeping you from heading out in your boat, stepping out onto the water that you wouldn't mind sharing that God worked on and changed? That's a great question. I've always, I'm kind of like Peter. I've always been a risk taker. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not a challenge of stepping out of the boat. Uh-huh. The biggest challenge for me is keeping my eyes on Jesus. <laughs> okay. And so what do you find takes it off? When you get bogged down in the good things that are happening. So my greatest fear, especially for young clergies or Christians is not when they experience failure, but when they experience success, lest they think it's on them and not on God. <laughs> okay. And it's easy to to get caught up in the sermon writing or 
evangelism or discipleship and using scripture as a tool to help other people and see you in a transformational way. And so how has God brought your attention back to him? How has he put down that hand and reached, reached down, picked you up when you were starting to drown? What, what yeah. were some of the things that happened? I think more recently for me, having kids has really done that. So mm-hmm. I have two daughters, um, a two-year-old and an eight-month-old, and that's um, really recalibrated my steps in a lot of ways where it's easy for me to have that workaholic tendency or to push and keep pushing and pushing and taking steps. And so it's given me more of a healthier pace of life. It's like the planting analogy. You can plant, but you can't just keep planting. You need to see something grow and eventually bloom. And there's a weeding process and a pruning process in there. With my girls, I'm spending good quality time with them. Mm -hmm. And it's causing me to reflect more and pause more and be still more. Mm -hmm. Just being on the go all the time. It's hard for me not to think of... uh the letter to the Ephesians church in Revelations when you're talking. Yeah. Because I've been here before, which is Jesus lists off all the great things they're doing. Yeah. Super things going on around them. He mm-hmm. says, but I have this against you. You've yeah. forgotten your first love. Oh. Yep. And so, you know, he tells us to go back and think of the things that we did at first and all that. What, what charges you back up as you get in that situation? Well, besides seeing the life transformation, because they're an inspiration to me, you know, many of the folks I work with, they challenge me to want to grow and to want to press ahead. Mm -hmm. I want to live what I'm sharing with others. I want the gospel to be good news for me first before I can share it to be good news for somebody else. Really focus in on identity, I think, Bruce, because if our identity is not rooted in Christ— any kind of success or any kind of ministry or fruitfulness you have, if you, if your if your identity is not grounded, you're going to be unstable in all your ways. You're gonna, you're going to sink. Mm. And it's, it's easy to have our identity be equated with success, our net worth, our self worth, fruitfulness in ministry, and that's where I think burnout comes in, where we get in the people pleasing stages instead of trying to please God. Mm-hmm. So really, the identity means being willing to please God at all costs instead of trying to please everybody else. Because if we let our schedules run rampant, then people are going to really set our schedules for us instead of us setting our schedules. And if we're doing that, then we're not getting recharged. We're not spending time with God. We're not having that Sabbath, that the healthy rhythms we need to have in order to just operate in our daily lives and our daily walk. So if you had to sum up for, for people listening, for you, what what does being in awe of God mean then? Mm-hmm. For me, it's counting my blessings. I know that sounds cliche, but to be thankful and to show thanks, you know, adoration every day. You know, we could fuss about, man, I have a beat up car instead of saying, God, thank you for a car that I have with gas in it. Man, my house is uh, smaller instead instead of saying, God, uh, thank you that you've given me a roof over my head. Um, Thankful for my family, my friends, um, the blessings of having employment and and all those things uh, that every need has been provided. 
mm. and, and praising God for that instead of whining to God about what I don't have or what I want. So I think the, the staying in awe is, is really staying in thankfulness. You know, yeah. it's constantly thanking the Lord for what we have. Yes. Being content in that, especially driven leaders, we have this kind of discontentment about us. And I know such thing as a holy discontentment, but there's can there can be a discontentment of always looking ahead or I'm a visionary. So I'm always thinking about what's next. Yeah. Always thinking about what what next boat to step out of, if you will. And really being in awe of God means pausing, being still in giving thanks. Mm. Wow. That's that's really good. You know, it's funny. That's the second time I've heard that this week. Um, actually, I was telling you that my friend Mark does the editing yeah. on here. He said to me this weekend, he came down from, uh, he lives up in Kent, Ohio. He mm-hmm. came down and he said to me, he goes, you know, Bruce, he goes, I realized all my prayers, what they were really saying and where they're going. And I realized I needed to change my prayers. And now they're all, thank you, God. Mm, yeah. And now you're saying that. So I think that's a that's a message here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Paul said he learned to be content whatever circumstance that he was going through. Right. Um, and then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, mm. which is one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted texts that we use today in American Christianity. It's because Christ could give us strength. Mm-hmm things that we can be thankful in circumstances that are less comfortable for us. Wow. Good. Hey, I wanted to ask you also about the church, your uh, mosaic church that you're a co-pastor on. Uh, I love the name mosaic and and the fact it's a multicultural church. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're seeing that maybe is different from other churches or that's happening there in that kind of circumstance that's really getting you excited? Yeah, um, you know, we've been going for a year and a half now. We launched on September 17th, 2017, mm-hmm. and we've seen God move in an awesome way. We worship in a movie theater, and um, we've seen tremendous growth where we are worshiping in two worship celebrations now, and we are even baptizing 21 people this coming Sunday at Easter. Wow. So we, we're just seeing God move, but we want to be become a dynamic mosaic of Jesus followers. Mm-hmm. So it's an already not yet reality for us. Okay. It's strive and live into. For instance, any Sunday you come to mosaic, you're going to hear a different language. Prayers in different languages where we have a number of nations represented in our congregation. We'll have some worship songs in different languages. And now we're having a monthly gatherings for Portuguese-speaking folks, Spanish-speaking folks. Our international pastor is from Egypt, and so he has befriended a lot of Arabic-speaking folks here in Dayton, and so he started an Arabic Bible study, and that's led into one of our programs we started that's been an outreach tool, and that is our English as a Second Language class, Mm. because Dayton is one of uh, the welcome cities in the United States. And so we're seeing an influx of refugees and immigrants in our midst. Now, wow. we'll combine that with the recovery community that we have partnered with. You see a dynamic mosaic of Jesus mm-hmm. followers 
And I think um, for revival really to happen in American Christianity, especially, it's going to come from the two diaspora groups, I would say. The first is the immigrants and refugees that are coming in on fire from their other other countries that are dependent on prayer and fasting and the spiritual disciplines and see miracles. And the other is the recovery community because the recovery community makes better disciples than the church does. Mm. So we're and they're hungry for God. And with those two things infused in our midst with some other elements, our worship services are, it's a celebration. And we try to model that kind of, it's not diversity for diversity's sake. Right. It's because we're trying to live in a Revelation 7-9 where every tongue, tribe, and nation uh, will worship God. And so if we're going to worship God that way in the future, might as well start right now to do hmm. that and practice for heaven. We see that with our staff team where we've tried to build it in that way. So we're trying to live in a God's preferred future with it. And, you know, we want to be a church that plants other churches. So in the future, we're hoping to have more mosaics out in the communities. And I think there'll be opportunity for that in the future. But we're, we're seeing people that are unreached, that mm. have no church affiliation. Um, we're, we become a refuge for people as well who have been de-churched or have walked away from the church for a while and are making their way back through mosaic. So God is using mosaic in, in those kind of ways as well. Wow, that's great. Hey, well, I just want to close up asking you if there's anything else that you think would be encouraging to them, give them some inspiration or, or guidance in whatever they're doing from what you've said. I would I would just say this, um, to not be in a hurry. Um, for those that are the risk takers that are listening, I you know want to challenge you to be still and not force any doors open or continue to run out on the water without <laughs> looking to Jesus. And for those that are afraid to take any risk or next steps and have just kind of feel isolated, you know, I want to challenge you to identify the boat that you're in, whatever that may be. And you're not going to be able to step out of something that you can't identify. And that'll take some prayer and reflection, but not to be afraid to take that step out, out of the boat. But whatever you do, whatever group you're in, you can't do anything without keeping your eyes on Jesus. We could do all the good. But it doesn't matter if we're not having the relationship and the intimacy with me. So that's what I want to just leave hmm. as a challenge. And my book will be available on May 1st. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon.com or hmm. UpperRoom.com and love to hear your feedback on it. All proceeds are going to actually go. I'm not keeping any of the profits. They're going to go towards Joshua Recovery Ministries, which wow. I have it already, but that's a ministry that's near and dear to my heart for men's transitional living houses mm. that we have partnered with. Wow, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thanks Great for having me. Appreciate yeah. it.